you know why you you run from things that you should be doing? You're not willing. Uh, somehow, you and I have been deceived in our thinking, and we think what we want to do is more valuable. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast, a nationwide call for spiritual awakening. The goal: accelerating the movement of God through sharing revival truth, stories, and reports. And now, your hosts, Bill Elif and Kyle Reno. Hey, welcome to the One Cry Podcast. We are so honored that you're giving us some time uh, to be here with us today. I'm Kyle Reno. This is Bill Elif. We get the privilege of hosting, and our heart behind this is just to help fan into flame a passion for prayer and what God's doing in our nation even now. And and beyond that, so that that united prayer would be used of God to help start a movement across right. the nation of fresh revival and right. spiritual awakening. That's right. It's our passion. You know, there's there's one spot where that begins, though. Yeah. And and that is the kind of praying that is marked by confession yeah. and real repentance. That's right. It's hard for us to repent, isn't it? It is hard to get someone to turn. Yeah, yeah. You sound like you know about that. <laughs> you got kids. I got them. I, yeah. we're, we're already, because we were talking about this a second ago. So, uh, man, I have great children. Let yeah. me say that. <laughs> Just want to announce that to yourself. I love you if you ever listen to this podcast. <laughs> but my, we're raising four-year-old twins. Oh, man. Yeah. Boys. Boys, Link and Tuck. And yeah. uh, they are their father's children. Yeah. Yeah, they are uh, strong. And so we, we're having this constant moment where I'm saying to them, stop, come here. Yeah. You know, like, come here. Like, it don't matter if you're going across the street, yeah. if you're if you're moving toward danger. Yeah. Like, stop where you are and come back this Turn. come back this way. And that, them being twins, it, it. I was laughing the other day after it was over. It's like they look at each other, going like, "Why? Well, I'm not gonna go if you're not gonna go." <laughs> are we going to feed off each other? Are we going to hold the line here? Yeah. Are, are we going? Are we going to make him come to me? Which I will. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But I just, you know, and I look at them and I'm reminded of us. Yeah. You know, isn't that so true? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, there's something inside of us that we just think we know better. Right. You know, and getting to the point of repentance, which you have to, you have to, right, in your relationship with the Lord, but, right. or you just keep going. That's right. You run out in the street over and over again yeah. and you're in trouble. So, you know, one of these kinds of prayers, we're talking about all prayer in this series uh, because there are multiple types of prayer. One of those types of prayer that's all through the Scripture is confessional praying, or re- we could say repentant praying. Mm-hmm. And I want to tell you something. I, I think we'd, we'd all agree with this if we stop and think. The world is in need of a re- revival of repentance, just a revival of repentance. And uh, we've lost this type of living, and we've lost this type of praying. When we think about repentance and confessing our sin, it's it's a really important exercise. We Confession and repentance is, is uh, should be daily because our sin is daily. Mm. You know, I, I love my brother used to say, we are lifelong to be lifelong repenters. We don't repent when we first came to know Christ and then never repent again because we're dealing with sin because of the weakness of our flesh and the and the influence of the world and the temptations of the devil. 
So we, we just need to get good at repenting, good at hearing the voice of the Lord saying, stop, son, and turn around, come back this way. And biblical repentance is not uh, trying to do some good works to get God to uh, think better of us. Uh, and it means to agree with God. To confess means that we agree with God, but not just that we agree. We say, yeah, Lord, I sinned. And then we go right back out to sin again. It means uh, a godly sorrow, real repentance it's a godly sorrow where we not only agree with God about our sin and we say about it what we he says about it, but we feel about it what he feels. We get sick of our sin. We, we don't want to go there anymore. We really long for change. And this kind of uh, repentance is... Probably the best illustration that we have is in Psalm 51, that classic uh, psalm when David had committed sin with Bathsheba and Uriah the Hittite, uh, serious, grievous sin. And we, we hear him confessing his sin before the whole world for all time. And I just I want you to notice, in fact, we'll probably talk about this on this podcast and the next one. Uh, two parts, 10 things that are true about repentant praying. So first of all, repentant praying takes full responsibility. The natural tendency of our flesh is to want to blame somebody else, want to lie about it, want to cover it, want to exaggerate it. But it's fascinating in Psalm 51, in the first few verses, uh, David uses personal pronouns, I, me, my, 13 times. This is a sign of, of repentance. You get your pronoun usage right. It's not you, she, he. It's I, me, my. He says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. I know my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. If you're still shifting the blame, right, if you're still covering it up, if you're still trying to explain to God why you did this, then you're not there yet. You're not, you haven't come to real repentance because real repentance, I don't have to take full responsibility for everything, but I have to take full responsibility for what I'm responsible for. And that's the foundation of biblical repentance and repentant praying. Secondly, repentant praying relies on God's mercy. See, if you haven't come to a real godly sorrow about your sin, you don't realize how deeply you need the mercy of God. But a man who really sees his sin and how serious it is and what it has done to him, what it's done to others, what it does to the name and the reputation of God— He's the guy who cries out, oh, God, have mercy on me. And uh, this is what David said in, in verse 1, be gracious to me, oh, God. Please be gracious according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Now, our sins, as you know, have been taken care of on the cross of Christ, right? He bore the our sin for all time, 
and the basis for forgiveness is there. But there's something about coming before God in confession and repentance that humbles us. We realize who the creator is and who the creature is. And, and we realize uh, what God did to purchase our forgiveness. And we are humbled and we're grateful. The proud guy is not repentant and never has been, right? Because he thinks he deserves things. The humble guy is, has a repentant heart that knows it's only by the merciful grace of God that he can be forgiven. So for, repentant praying relies on God's mercy. And here's a third thing. Repentant praying sees the root of our sin. David makes this amazing statement in verse 5. He said, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Now, as you know, that doesn't mean that there was something unholy or morally unjust about his birth. It just means I, I recognize my total depravity. This goes all the way down to the core. I am nothing without you. I can't do anything right without you. And it's so important to see the root of our sin because uh, only then do we realize if I don't rely upon Christ, I'm going to mess up every time. My, my flesh is weak. The world is strong. The enemy is strong. This is why Jesus came in, uh, in the five or six things that he said for us to pray about in the Lord's Prayer. One of them is, Lord, lead me not into temptation and deliver me from evil or for the, from the evil one. In other words, he said, Lord, I am just weak. I'm just weak. I, can't, I cannot do this without you. The whole purpose of every exercise in your life is to bring you back to dependence. Because we have been, the, the problem with us is our independence, right? And so God in prayer, he wants to push us to a dependent life. And we're only there when we realize the root of our sin and our desperate need of God. So repentant praying takes full responsibility, and then it sees the mercy of God and is humbled by it. Uh, repentant praying sees the root of our sin. And I love this of David's prayer in Psalm 51. Repentant praying cries out for more than just forgiveness. You know, I, I heard about the guy that every night he would he would uh, confess his sin, and he'd write them down, and then he'd just hang them up on the side of his bed. And one night he came, and he just wrote, Lord, the usual, and just hung it up. And, uh, you know, where's the victory in that? Where, where's uh, growing into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ? Where is God glorified when we just continue in the same sin over and over? Now, we struggle, don't we? Everybody does, and... Everybody has their weak areas, their besetting sins uh, that we have particular struggles. Satan knows that. He knows right where to get us and how to get us. But I love what David says in verse 10. He's confessed his sin, and then he says this, Create in me a clean heart, O God. I, I, I long not just only for your forgiveness, but I want you to cleanse me 
cleanse me, purify me from this so that I'm not there again. And real repentance longs for that. The guy that's not repentant, he just says, well, yeah, I got caught. Yeah, that's wrong. Yeah, I shouldn't do that. Lord, forgive me. And he confesses it, but he's thinking, but I, you know, I really enjoyed that and I'll do it again. It's like he turns away, but there's a little string coming out the bottom of his pants and it's tied back to that sin. And and how long does it take him to turn around? Well, not long at all. I love what Paul said when he wrote to the church in Corinth in the second letter. He had first letter he had reproved them uh, for something they weren't doing, and then in, in in the second letter in chapter seven, he said, "Man, I'm I'm sorry I had to send that letter to you that reproved you." But he said, "I'm not too sorry because it produced a godly sorrow, and and listen to this that led to repentance without regret, without regret." In other words, you got so sick of that that you were willing to turn with no regrets and you didn't want to ever go back. That, that's the tenor. That's the tone of David's repentant prayer in Psalm 51 and why it's so meaningful to us and why we should pray this way. Oh, Lord, forgive me, but oh, Lord, cleanse me. In other words, go down to the whole, the root of the problem in my life. I want you to get at the issue, the foundation of this, Lord. Uh, so that it can be dealt with. And then one other thing I want us to see and that's in this passage is, number five, repentant praying longs for a sustained life of obedience. David, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. In other words, Lord, help me to... Help me to get get this taken care of and then stand and then stay and be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And then listen to this, and sustain me with a willing spirit. You know why you don't do things that the Lord tells you to do? You're not willing, you know? Uh, you know why you, you run from things that you should be doing? You're not willing. Uh, somehow you and I have been deceived in our thinking and we think what we want to do is more valuable. And, and there's a way that seems right to man, but the way they're in is a way of death and destruction. So David prays this repentant prayer, Lord, <laughs> cleanse me. Go all the way to the root of the problem. But then renew a steadfast spirit in me. And then, Lord, sustain me. Keep me going with a willing spirit. We need a revival of repentance, Kyle, and we need a revival of repentant <clears throat> praying yeah. in our day. Yeah. Repentance is a beautiful word. Mm-hmm. You know, it's religions made it uh, something that's not. Right. You know, repentance is the, the heart of the Father saying, you're going toward death. Like you're going toward destruction. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Like Mm -hmm. where you're moving is bad for you. Mm -hmm. Turn around. Mm -hmm. Like come home. Yeah, Yeah, come back to me as only a good father would Yeah, and would do that. And man, the Lord has been teaching people uh, and generations, churches about repentance. And and there seems to be waves that happen, you know, where repentance really sits down on a 
people. And as always, we try to capture a story, you know, and to hear from them, learn from it and apply to our life. So let's take a moment here and listen to the story. Well, my name is Byron Paulus, if you haven't met me yet. And I'm so blessed to have been the founder of One Cry and so blessed to have been serving in that area of a larger ministry called Life Action Ministries uh, for many, many years, actually decades. So today, as we continue this whole theme of prayer, uh, I'm blessed to be able to introduce to you Steve Canfield. Steve has been traveling as an itinerant revivalist. Is that what you we call you, Steve? I guess. It's hard to define it. Yeah, that, that'd be good. Hard to define it. Uh, for a while, 45, 46 years uh, in a trailer, raising a family, going from church to church to church, believing God to really pour out his spirit, even corporately, individually, but even corporately in congregations. And uh, I am so grateful, Steve, for our long time of serving together and co-laboring together in this mission. Yeah, so as we're on this whole topic of prayer, uh, and as I was asked to uh, uh, think who I might interview by way of testimony, my mind first and foremost raced to you, Steve, uh, both because I know a little bit about your prayer life, but also uh, you've been in how many different churches uh, where they set aside time to seek the Lord in prayer for revival? So how many? Almost a thousand churches of extended meetings. Extended. That's not like two days instead of one. That's at least a week. At least a week, many times two weeks, sometimes longer. Right. So in the course of that ministry, you you have to know some stories of where prayer, as we know, is one of the moorings, if you will, of revival, prerequisites really of a move of God. Uh, some just stories of where you've seen God uh, engage his people in prayer, perhaps, and then see the fruit and the result of that. We want to hear some of those stories. I think the most recent uh, thing that comes to mind is we were in Fairhope, Alabama, just this past year, be back again this upcoming year. And the pastor, six months before he got there, preached a message that someone sent to me. And he said to his congregation, he said, he went through a whole series of all the things that Michelangelo did, or excuse me, Leonardo da Vinci did, um, how long it took him to paint the Mona Lisa, four years, sculpt David years, paint the Sistine Chapel, 2,600 hours. And he went through, and, and, and uh, even he even designed the um, St. Peter's Basilica, which it took 100 years to finish that. Anyway, he said, what do all these have in common? He said, he said they all have in common time. He said, I'm going to give you the longest invitation I've ever given at the end of this message. It's a six-month invitation. And for six months, I want you to pray that God will do something when Life Action comes to our church this fall. And it was a great, just a great setup. So for six months, this church prayed before we got there. And, and that just sets the stage for God to do great things. And, and it's incredible to see what God did in that church, in a situation just coming out of COVID and not sure anybody even come. It was just incredibly attended and we extended and just uh, some, some great things. Just a, a couple of testimonies from that church. Um, a, a man said, God found me needing to apologize. He said to my family, um, I'm, I'm a husband. Um, I've been praying and hoping that God renew my relationship with my wife and my children. And that certainly has happened. And he went on to share just what God was um, doing in relationship to, to his life and, and, and how he started having devotions with his family and bringing the word of God and prayer to the table um, in relationship to his family. And I thought just the, the evidence of God working in people's lives after a six month time of really 
focusing on that was just uh, was pretty incredible. You know, that made me think of Isaiah 64, and I think it's verse 4, where eyes have not seen nor ears heard, neither hath entered into our imagination what God can do. And those who steadfastly wait upon him, those who wait on him. And yesterday morning, I was reading about Jeremiah Lamphere again, and I was really convicted after they told the story of that first prayer meeting, 12 to 1, and Jeremiah Lamphere was there. And it wasn't till 1240 that the first person showed up in response mm -hmm. to his invitation to pray. And the question was asked, how long would you be willing to wait if you called a meeting for that first person? And of course, we know that one man ignited through prayer, uh, that great prayer awakening. I think prayer, I think prayer shows us our need to. Um, another man in this church said that um, God showed me prior to these days, I was just running on fumes. I was bitter, angry, lonely, distrustful, broken. Um, I graduated from Southwestern Baptist Seminary. I owned my own counseling ministry, but I was drowning in despair. I counseled individuals from all walks of life, trying to give people wisdom and hope and healing. But all the time I was wearing a mask. I was struggling with suicidal thoughts, exhausted from the life I was living. And in that quiet, I was consumed by the belief that God loved others, but not me. I had no to expect before this day started, but I've learned that God spent a very long time trying to tell me what I needed. And, and, and I realized that when I got squeezed, it was not Christ that came out. I was reminded that I had left my first love and God does love me. And his purpose here is for me to walk intimately with him, not just for the benefit of others, but that I am here because he cares about me. And I think just getting in God's presence and realizing that um, all the answers that we have for everybody else, if it's not being applied to our own personal life, is, is just um, not that helpful. Hmm. So really prayer, if we're not quiet before the Lord waiting on him to speak yeah. to us really becomes futile in so many ways. I, I think people that are great with God are people that are great in prayer, and people that are great in prayer are people that are great in private. And I think a lot of our, our um, emphasis sometimes is on the show of prayer, and if it doesn't start in the privacy of prayer, um, the, our, our, our public prayer needs to be an overflow of our private prayer. So when we first joined this revival ministry, uh, I remember so vividly our founder. I mean, he was a man of prayer. He wouldn't come to the office till 11 in the morning, typically. And it's because he was meeting with God. And I don't know about you, but my first all night prayer meeting ever, uh, that kind of prayer uh, was my first year in this ministry. Uh, and that was a pattern. It wasn't just an aberration. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you remember any of those days when you personally um, were asked to set aside extended time to pray and fast and then maybe saw the fruit of that. Uh, yeah, I think that in the, the early days, and obviously when we came, we were both like in our early 20s, and, and prayer was something that you did before meals, basically. And, and to set aside not just an extended time, but I think the consistency of prayer, the thing that I learned from Dell was just the uh, the priority of prayer that we're gonna, not going to do this, you know, uh, once a year. This is going to be a, a daily habit in our life. And until prayer becomes a daily part of our life, I was, I was in a meeting with a group of pastors, and I asked them, "How many of you spend time every day praying just with your wife?" Mm -hmm. um, and there was probably forty pastors there, and they were all, you know, um, godly men, I believe. And, and out of that group of forty, only two men had daily prayer with their wife. 
Mm-hmm. I think if we're not spending priority with, with our own personal walk with God, with our mates, with our families, um, then, then all the external things we do are, are just, uh, you know, wood, hay, and stubble. I, I was in that same church in Fairhope. Man said, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling as a grandfather who keeps um, my two grandchildren. And my prayer has always been that they would remember me as a grandfather who loved and lived Jesus. And I, I think as, we're, as, as we start our meetings um, at the churches, I, the first Sunday I say to them, I want you to ask God this week, here's, here's the invitation. God, I give you the freedom to do whatever you want to do in my life in these next days. Mm-hmm. And if we're starting our, our life, our day, even this day, if people are listening, we'll just say, God, I give you the freedom to do whatever you want to do in my life in these next days. Um, the problem is we give God a list and say, God, do this, 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 and this, and, and rather than saying, God, here I am, and, and whatever you want to do. So in those early days of life action, we were, I was young, I, I just said, God, um, however you want to use us, and um, it was incredible to see the provision of God financially, just in ways that were just astounding, to see God work, and um, uh, I remember a, a, a school that we were at, a school, a Christian college of, of about um, 900 students were like a third of them came to Christ uh, because they just uh, did not have relationships. And so to see God move in places where um, there, there was a heart for people to say, do whatever needs to be done in my life. And, and, I, and I will follow that um, is incredible. Amen. Well, Steve, thank you so much. And uh, we're going to have part two with Steve. Uh, and so as you tune into the next One Cry podcast or one soon thereafter, uh, I just look so forward to you hearing more, specifically even in Steve's life and family. I want to talk to him about that in relation to prayer. So thank you, uh, Steve. So grateful for your life and the example it has been to me for decades now. Thank you, Bye. Well, we hope that that was encouraging uh, to you. And as always, man, we don't want to just talk about it. Uh, we want to repent. Like mm-hmm. I, I remember the Romanian uh, believers were known as repenters mm-hmm. uh, because it was this constant uh, characteristic of their faith mm-hmm. that they turned. So we're going to do that. And what we want to do is ask you to join us uh, in that right there where you're driving, sitting, listening, whatever you're doing. The, let's ask the Lord to help us to have that Psalm 51 Spirit, I'll start us off and build you close us. Lord, uh, go down to the bottom. Lord, all the way down into the deepest recesses of our heart and turn the light on. Uh, Lord, show us uh, sin in us. Lord, show us brokenness. God, show us, uh, Lord, just bitterness and, mm. uh, Lord, uh, lust and, Lord, desires that are that are just born out of greed and mm-hmm. evil. And God, I pray that we wouldn't be afraid of what we would find in the deepest parts of our heart, but instead we'd be freed from it. Uh, Lord, that you would change us, Lord Jesus. So help us now, God. I I pray you'd help your church, Jesus, specifically in this nation, come to a a revival of right repentance, uh, Mm -hmm. Lord God, and that it would play out. It would be beautiful, God, beautiful. You'd find sons and daughters on their face before you mm-hmm. talking to you about what they see in themselves mm-hmm. that you're revealing. Uh, Lord, mm-hmm. so do that in me, do that in us, do that in every one of our listeners today. Father, I am in the middle of sharing about this. You reminded me of what happened this morning in, in our elders meeting when we mm-hmm. 
talked about pride mm. and its dangers. Mm. And right before the meeting ended, mm. I spouted off a statement of pride mm. so everybody would know what I was doing. Mm. And uh, Lord, it's, it's so pervasive in me. Mm. And Lord, I pray that you'd kill it. I pray that you'd put it to death, Lord. I, I pray for your, not only I thank you for your forgiveness, but I pray for your cleansing. Yeah. I pray that you would give me a steadfast spirit that is humble. Yeah. And I pray that you would sustain me with a spirit that's always willing for others to be recognized, yeah. for you to be glorified, That that is always uh, taking the the second chair, the back seat, and not worrying about what anybody thinks about me except you. So, Lord, uh, I, I pray for that for my own life, and I pray that you would help us all be lifelong repenters mm. and uh, so that you could be magnified and glorified yes. and have your way in and through our lives. And we pray that uh, in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, as always, thank you for the time today. Uh, we really encourage you. If God is speaking to you and ministering to you uh, in this podcast, pass it on. Uh, pass it on to a friend. Pass it on someone in your church family or someone you know you think this might really minister to, that there's there's an ember in there that you think that maybe this podcast can help fan in the flame. We sure hope so. And we look forward to getting back with you next week on the next podcast. Have a great week.